if we see people who are genuinely using social for all the right reasons, it's the responsibility of people like Kellogg's who've got the resource to do it to reward them for that. Warning, this podcast may include hard-hitting truths, shocking revelations and outrageous social secrets. You won't see your life in the same light after this, but if you're ready to face the reality of an always online world, keep listening. This week on the Social Minds podcast, we sat down with Joe Harper, who is the UK and Ireland social lead for Kellogg's. But we didn't just talk about cereal, did we? No, we wanted to tackle British cynicism in the modern consumer and the challenges that big brands are facing trying to reach these audiences who are so keen to poke holes in everything that a brand is putting out there. We know Joe quite well. We certainly know his cereals. He was a really, really fascinating guest and really hope you enjoyed this podcast. By the way, if you are listening on iTunes or anywhere where it's possible to leave a comment or a review, please do so because it's a massive help to us. Do you consider yourself a cynical person? I don't consider myself a cynical person in the context of British people in general. But when I'm speaking to non-British people, then I am absolutely the most cynical person in the room. <laughs> and that's unavoidable. So, good question. What's the answer? Why, 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 why do you think that is comparatively? So, so you're not cynical around British people, but when it comes to, say, a Spanish person or an Italian person or a French person... You, or, you, American. You, or, an, or an American person, you describe yourself as cynical. I just think that British people, it's, I always, whenever I'm thinking of cynicism in British people, I always think of the very British problems, um, yeah. very popular social acha- yeah. account, and I picture the umbrella and the rain, and I don't know if it is to do with the weather, <laughs> um, I don't know if it is to do with the fact that we kind of wear black overcoats and walk through rain clouds and whatever, I don't know, there's just, th- there just seems to be in this country an underlying tone where we look, I think, and this is and not to a morose thing, but we look for the bad in things when we first yeah. see it. Mm. That particularly, um, uh, that particularly sort of is the case in terms of when people see adverts mm. and are marketed to. Mm. They mm. kind of want to not like the advert when they first see it, particularly when it's not one of these sort of halo brands which, um, you know, exudes positivity and happiness and yeah. has this long-standing association with you know brands like Innocent, for example had a few challenges but it's such a happy and friendly brand and you know we all know about the offices that they work in there's a very select group of brands that can kind of do that whereas I think a lot of others particularly big global corporations um constantly wrestle with that challenge of cutting through and and yeah and and driving positivity and happiness through the content because particularly with British people they're immediately on the back foot, the back foot when it comes to that. that why? Sense. Why do you think that is? Why don't? Why don't British consumers want to be bowled over by an ad? It's a very good question. I think it's just again because we've. It's probably because of the the volume of ads that we see, mm. and particularly our generation. You know, the sort of millennial generation. We're now so aware of when we're being advertised to. Yeah. In the past, you know, if you look at the Mad Men, I'm a big Mad Men fan, as I'm sure a lot of yeah, people here yeah. are. Um, it was a lot more subliminal. It was a, not, a lot more sort of arranged and, and processed. And you were kind of in the right mindset when you were reading a newspaper. You knew you were going to see a print ad and you'd read it and you'd consume the information that you saw in front of you. Whereas now, adverts infiltrate into your day-to-day life, into the spaces that you are, um, you know, relaxing. So when you're using yeah. social, obviously... Um, when you're walking down the street, if you're on the tube in London, there's like 30 or 40 of them on the way down. And, and people perhaps are so, are so used to, to adverts now that that kind of 
Um, there's an association that they have in their mind with, uh, you know, it's interrupting them. And, mm. and if they don't feel like they are having something added to their life as a result of it, yeah. and if it doesn't immediately add something to your life, then you again, you're on that back foot and... Do you think they almost begrudge advertisers in a way? Sort of begrudge them of, oh, you're in my space, so even if it is a nice advert, I'm sort of refusing to entertain it, sort of ignore it on purpose. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. And I think potentially, you know, specifically talking about digital and social advertising, there's a lot of talk around use of people's data. Mm. And I find it fascinating. I think we spoke about it before when I've um, spoken with you guys. But um, when I speak to my friends, you know, really bright Right, people. I've got a mate of mine who's a scientist who works at Manchester University and he knows who he is, right? And he, um, he really resents the idea that people are used, that brands can use his browsing data, information about him that's been stored online, to choose what he sees as an advert. Mm. And he can't get his head around the fact that actually they're using this to your benefit. You're going to see an advert for something yeah. that's relevant to you yeah. Yeah. as a 28-year-old male who lives in Manchester who likes music, what kind of music you like. He sees that as a negative thing. He feels as though, yeah, he feels as though it's been intrusive on his life. Mm. That's a big one, particularly, again, with digital and social. Mm. But So that's, that's obviously, because I've heard this argument a lot of times, that, well, the ads are, are tailored to you, so why wouldn't it be more beneficial in a way but he seems to be against this idea of the is is it a sense that um is for you to decide do you think what 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 gets put in front of you but but then again that sort of kind of contradicts advertising as we know it doesn't it and like you said madman and and all of that adverts were there to be you know put in front of you and well, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, you, at the end of the day, you are going to be advertised to. Unless you sit in your room, mm-hmm. put your head in your pillow, don't look at your phone, don't watch TV and don't listen to the radio, you're, not, you're going to see adverts everywhere you go, looking down the street, in your car, you know, in a bathroom, a public bathroom, you're going to see adverts. And unless you're going to try and sort of avoid those opportunities and not have any sort of general day-to-day <laughs> life kind of need to accept that and the way I see it I don't know why anyone wouldn't see it this way is why not and this thing around data so yeah just, mm. just tangents slightly people have this idea that they should own their online data and their online footprints and it's like what do you actually think you're owning you just yeah it's just a thing that exists as a result of where you've been that's yeah. been nine times out of ten used to benefit your life and benefit you and show you things that you might want to buy, you might want to do. You know, yeah. If you like traveling, you book flights all the time, you're going to see offers on flights, places that you want to go on holiday to. How is that a bad thing? You know, if you buy, if you go shopping in the same clothes shop every single month like I do on the same day, if you're going to see an advert the day before telling you about the sales that are on, yeah. something that you looked at two weeks ago is now, £30 cheaper, how is that not a good thing? That's yeah, it. that's really that's helpful. It, yeah. People would complain so much more if we were seeing really irrelevant ads, yeah. like things that just aren't relevant to you at all. Because I know like some like brands, you see it, and they get their targeting like really mixed up. I once got targeted with an ad for FIFA because I made one moany tweet about it once, something that all the boys would stop playing FIFA. And then I got hit with a FIFA ad. I'm like, really? <laughs> that makes you think I'm your target audience? And that bugged me more because yeah. it's completely not relevant to me. But True. seeing something that is, I'm yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Fair, fair dues. I remember hearing a story. I think that that's a good example. I, I think we've come quite a long way since then, hopefully. I don't know yeah. when it was. Um, it wasn't that I, long ago, frighteningly. I remember <laughs> hearing about... Um, Tom's the shoe company. Mm. I don't know how true this was or not, but I remember hearing that they had they started trying to target people who were talking about Tom's on Facebook 
they didn't think about how to sort of narrow that targeting. Oh, so they ended up hitting pretty much everybody who talked about or knew someone or was called Tom. <laughs> That's a lot um, of people. That was the case study that I heard a long, long time ago. But you know, I think like the way, you know, the work that I, that, that I do, the company that I work for, I think um, the way that, they, that we build our adverts is a lot more sophisticated now. Yeah. Nine mm. times out of ten, you know, we would like to think that the consumers, consumers, the customers, potential customers that we reach are within that, um, sort of ideal demographic that yeah. we are looking to hit that's relevant to them mm. um, doesn't always work um, and again coming back to that cynical point you're much more likely to hear about when it doesn't work through the oh, sentiment of, of the comments versus when it does yeah. um, and that's an interesting subplot I think to this conversation is how do brands um, address and acknowledge that cynicism mm. with UK consumers mm. and consider it and almost take it with a pinch of salt when they're considering the effectiveness of their advertising. Yeah. How how do they then? I'm throwing out oh. here a bit. How 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 do you combat that cynicism? Because I, I feel like I know exactly what you're talking about. And to me, I I, I see it sometimes as cynicism and sometimes as savviness. We talked about targeting. I think that's the savvy side of things, isn't it? I'm I'm going to land on a on a website for holidays a few times until I'm hit with offers for that holiday. And the cynicism, we spoke about something um, before about almost poking holes in something. And like you said, with adverts, these days you're looking for those slip ups. So how do you, how do you begin to, and what are the, what are the nature of the comments that you sort of see around things like this? Oh, it can vary. I mean, you know, um, so obviously, you know, with working for Kellogg's, we have a number of brands largely different sort of uh, heritage and legacy across them um the, the sort of length and breadth of the list of types of pushbacks that consumers will have to adverts just generally around the quality of what they're seeing so if they see a mistake in the in the continuation on an advert you know one person will mention it floats to the top of the comments on facebook and all of a sudden <laughs> dictates the entire narrative for the engagement that you've got on the post oh, and it's God. really really tough because that's one person. It's hard person. to pull that back then when yeah. that starts to happen. Isn't yeah. it funny that it's like, and when you do that, so say, I don't know, somebody's wearing a green jumper in one shot and then a red jumper in another one. Isn't it such a mini win yeah. for you in, in an inherent thing? In fact, <laughs> you're sort of like, ah, I was the first one to see this. Well, this is it. I mean, yeah. it's such an interesting topic, this. And like, you, Theo, you, talk, you touch on something there, which I think is kind of the heart of it. You know, we talk, I know you guys do a lot of work and we talk a lot about social just becoming this tool where people use it. They have their social profile, which they're always trying to build and add things to mm-hmm. and polish. Um, and like you do, there is like a sense of reward and of a win when you have a comment on a post and it gets a load of likes and sits at the <laughs> yeah. top of the post. Oh, yeah, and that's yeah. become yeah. like a behavior, hasn't it? Like yeah. that, that currency of social sort of, um, you know, Get the justification of your views on social. And I think that kind of works from a really funny point of view. I remember commenting on a picture once. It was a picture of an island. And I said, it looks like this island looks like a shark on a Telegraph article and got like 200 likes. And it was amazing. It made my day <laughs> a long time ago. Um, there's funny and silly things like that. But then people have tried to find new ways to generate that engagement mm. around their opinions. Mm. And then you get into the dark realms of politics and you get into the dark realms of, you know, the PC world that we live in mm. and the mm. environment and the economy and, um, you know, in sport, even in sport. I mean, mm. it's so polarizing, like, you know, people are so, um, you know, partisan about the teams that they support and you get really aggressive mm. arguments. Mm. Any article about football in, in the UK 
will quite quickly turn into an argument between a Man United and a Liverpool fan or mm. an Arsenal mm. and a Tottenham fan almost immediately. Mm. That's the that's what engages people, and that's mm. the thing about British consumers. And I don't think you necessarily get that in other regions as much as do you, you do think here. That's why they're poking holes in in things like deliberately. Is it for that sort of validation? Yeah, validation is the right word. You know, it's it's a constant, and you can tell by the tone of the responses that it's mm. been written, yeah. not just to as this sort of return against their their opposition, but also to try and engage and excite the audience that's watching yeah, this yeah. route. Yeah. You know, there's the, there's the very famous um, gif or meme, isn't there, of the Michael Jackson Michael Jackson in the Thriller video sat in the, th- in the theatre. Oh, yeah, in popcorn. the popcorn. I'm just here for the comment section. <laughs> one, of the, one of the phrases that I use a lot at, at work is, um, you know, the post and the likes are sort of one thing and then the battle is won in the mm. comment section. Yeah. Mm. You yeah. know, particularly if we're talking around quite sensitive issues like nutrition, mm. which mm. we do a lot. Yeah. Um, people, and this is an interesting one, obviously sort of a light on this one, touch lightly on it, but um, one of the big pushbacks that we get is around people coming into the comments of our posts about some of our biggest brands, mm. adding opinions and saying things in the comments which are you know, complete, to be completely honest, um, just fundamentally untrue. Yeah, mm. um, misplaced as well. Misplaced, but it's like, you know, people who have no um, education or cr- credence in this area coming mm. in and just making sweeping statements about the amount of sugar or salt mm. that's in a food. Yeah. And it's just wrong. Um, and the only reason that they're doing it is to, I, well, I say the only reason, I quite frankly wouldn't understand why somebody would do that no, if they weren't no. actually sure of what they were doing. Um, but yeah, the, we we have almost like a completely separate strategy alongside our advertising and content creation, which um, is essentially to predict the kind of things that people will push back with, and use that platform to then educate the, the audience who go into the comments. Mm. Almost use the information, this false information that people have, yeah. to our own benefit, and use it as an opportunity to educate the the wider world on actually what is in our food it's a bit that that's it's interesting because if 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 you don't mind me sort of bringing up just just momentarily another brand it's sort of you see a bit of mcdonald's sort of doing this thing haven't they Mm -hmm. where they've got this whole campaign around their uh their chicken nuggets and what goes into chicken nuggets and and i think aldi did something similar as well so what you're saying these sort of massive fmcg brands like kellogg's are Mm -hmm. are taking these uh comments and and whatnot and, and educating people through that this this cynicism though is that something that's because as you say this it, it it strikes me that you know if you watched a tv advert 40 30 years ago mm. there wasn't that moment of reply was there no but now that we've got this public forum on social me you know we call it trolling at times but any yeah. any yeah. person could well, just like you said come in and say that's what i was wondering is... because we've been talking about it sort of off the back of being british and this idea mm. that it's very british to be quite cynical but sort of maybe 40 50 years ago Kellogg's and many other brands wouldn't have been facing that same kind of backlash from the general yeah. public and it makes me wonder are we actually cynical as consumers or is that something we've just learned to be no, what social, I mean, we all love social media, right? And what it's done is given us the opportunity to um, express our views. It's a free, uh, Twitter, if you think, for example, Twitter is the cynical platform. Yeah. My account manager oh, yeah. at Twitter won't have any issue with me saying that whatsoever. <laughs> he knows it. Um, it gives, it's given, a, it has given a, um, 
yeah, an environment for people to to voice their opinions. And, you know, everyone says about opinions at the mm, end of the yeah. day. And mm. like, you are right, though. I mean, you know, the fact that we now spend so much money, you know, Kellogg's and, and any other, uh, many other, most of the big brands spend so much money in advertising digital comes part and parcel with the fact that it is an open forum within mm. which the opinions on your brand mm. are going to be very, very clearly um, shown for all to see. I mean, if you think about back in the day, uh, a billboard ad down the side of the road, someone could go, climb up on a ladder and write in big paint what they thought of the brand yeah, that was on there. Yeah, That's a yeah. lot of effort. So much more effort. Yeah. Whereas nowadays, it's just literally a two, a three-second response and reply yeah. uh, with a couple of emojis to add a little bit of extra sentiment and visibility to it. And all of a sudden, that sat on your advert like a, a really bad smell. And it's and it's really tough. And, um, and you know, to be honest, like, like I say, with the nature of how social works, one comment like that can really affect quite mm. clearly um, mm. the impact that your campaigns are having. But coming back to your point around measurement earlier on and how you kind of take it with a pinch of salt, mm. what the context is, to be completely honest, that's a piece of work that we're still doing. You know, mm. if, we, if we put an advert out and it reaches three and a half million people, there's 10 comments on it that are really negative and um, quite scathing about one of our brands or products. Mm. Mm. How do we quantify what the success of that piece has been? Mm. Yeah. Um, it's an ongoing piece of work. When, when that happens, Joe, what is your response to that? So you've put out this great creative, everybody's really proud of the ad, and then Joe Bloggs comes on and has this comment, and it's what's, what's the initial well, responses to that? I mean, you, you, you'll hear this a lot from people who do jobs similar to mine, but the great thing about socialists as well is that not only can the rest of the world see it, but also the managing directors and general managers of the company can see it. So when yeah, you, there's no hiding. When you're getting changed in the gym in the morning, the general manager comes out doing his cufflinks and said, yeah, I saw that advert last night, and the top comment on it was basically telling us that we're this and that and the other. Um, it's not just you know quantifying for my immediate digital team, but also quantifying to the powers that be who know mm. nowhere near as savvy yeah. As we say, or so, or, you know, sophisticated in their use of social. Yeah. So it's a it's a big, broad piece of work, um, and yeah, it's it. I, I guess. Um, do you have a system in place, or do you just kind of take it case by case, depending? So on with Twitter, it's kind of easier to disprove the the genuine authenticity of this pushback because nine times out of ten, a troll, mm. as you used the word earlier, you mm. know. A troll will just sit there and troll brands all day. Mm, Remember mm. once we had a comment on one of our adverts, which was very, very strongly worded and was asked to look into it as a tweet, mm. went on this guy's Twitter and every single one of his tweets was a complaint to a brand. One of the complaints, oh that, one of the, one of the complaints yeah. that he put out was to Tesco. It was about a Tesco-owned brand pizza. And he said, I've just opened this pizza. On the picture on the front, there are nine pieces of pepperoni and my pizza only had seven on it <laughs> you're kidding oh. and it was stuff like oh, that wow. you know we've had we've had instances where people will say you know pringles are never full to the top send us a picture of a tube of pringles and there's like you can see in the background where the guy's taken out a sort of part of oh, the stack nice. and hidden it that's as if to nice. say and taking a picture so people are genuinely They're trying to get like free there. products back or something yeah i mean that's that's kind of a different tangent around yeah. you know sort of customer service and, and goodwill and what have you but um we quite, if someone sends me, if a brand manager sends me a tweet and says, oh my God, look at this comment. Yeah. What are we doing about mm -hmm. it? I can quite quickly send them a link back and say, look at everything else that he's posted. He's yeah. just a troll. Yeah. We block him. Yeah. Twitter doing actually a lot of work because they know it's an issue. Doing a lot of work to help you sort of block groups of people who are trolls from any of your adverts moving forward. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and particularly with Twitter as well, getting technical, but because you're unable to cap the number, the frequency with which your advert is seen on the channel, mm. quite often you'll see that you get repeats. Um, you, you hit the same people repeatedly. Right. Ah, see, I didn't know that. Yeah, I so, so in diff, in, with our media agency that we use, that's one of the sort of limitations that we've got in terms of um, we can't cap ads. So, right. um, so you need to block these people if they are coming back with negative sentiment because mm. if they see it again, they're just going to get riled up because it's like, why yeah. am I still yeah. seeing this? Even yeah. though I'm quite clearly shown it like the brand. Coming back to what we said earlier around um, being sort of uh, and disliking the fact that people are using your data. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, and we talk about this on an extreme level and and trolls, and this is very much the self validation point, isn't it, mm-hmm. for a lot of people? And then, but then you've got that inherent cynicism that goes across the board for British people. Do you 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 were saying to me that you you sort of see that on a bit of a scale, don't you? And what what sort of examples does that play into it? Do you think is that? So what, inherent cynicism across yeah, the board? Yeah, is that like you said, people just poking holes in, say, a creative or like those, mm. those mini wins? Or I'll tell you what I should ask you. How does that compare? Because we spoke about the British people. How does that compare to your audiences abroad? Kellogg's obviously a worldwide brand. Do, yeah. you, do you see less of it or? Maybe even compared to Europe. Well, a lot of the cynicism that we see is around the production and nutritional values of mm. our food. Now, mm. those... You know, again, not to touch too heavily on them because it can be quite a heavy conversation, but um, agendas in terms of nutritional beliefs and preferences differ from region to region. Mm. Um, So, and in the UK, um, we talk about this woke community. Um, In the UK, I definitely feel like there are more issues around food production, health, nutritional preferences Mm as opposed to other regions of Europe. I don't work so closely with the U.S. campaigns that we run. I Mm. know in the U.S., obviously, there was a massive focus around GMO, Mm. um, Mm. which um, is not currently a a practice that is used in Europe by the majority Mm. of foods made in Europe. I think it may even be illegal. I should probably know that, but it's not my area (laughs) of business. I just know that we don't have to worry about it because our foods don't have GMO. Yeah. Whereas, for example, um, so there's another thing around nutrients, so vitamins that are added to foods through fortification. Mm. Certain areas Mm. of Europe, I think Northern Europe, Scandinavia, have laws against, have brought in laws against the fortification of foods. Mm. All nutrients need to be naturally occurring. So the agenda that consumers have in their content is more specifically around that area. Mm. Um, Mm. And in France, it'll be more around, they talk a lot about GMO in France, Mm. um, and they talk a lot about sort of like the kind of chocolate that's used and in the UK we kind of get it all yeah Um, yeah. why do you think they're so much worse or we're so much worse we're very connected Um, we consume a lot of information we use a lot of social media yeah we talk a lot about fake news obviously in this country and and western Mm. society in particular we're constantly consuming news and agendas we're all watching Cowspiracy we're all watching Mm. Ogja and all these programs which Mm. drive Mm. very sentimental feelings around food and what we're eating and at at this moment in time and you know, there's a huge, a huge conference I went to the other day on food, which is fascinated around uh, micro, microbiome and the, the build-up of the human body and whatever. But we're about to go through a process now over the next five to ten years where we become even more in touch with what food actually does to our bodies. Mm-hmm. And, and we are now so engaged around it. You know, we have so access to so much information. You know, people are, mm-hmm. are so engaged around it. And um, I just think that in the UK we're very, very developed in terms of how what our understanding is, the the rate at which we consume this information and mm. um, 
that can be a good and a bad thing. It's not mm. just how much we understand it, but how much is coming at us. And we, you know, if something pulls at our heartstring, it'll stay with us and we'll remember it. That's yeah. why Cowspiracy was so successful yeah. in driving this yeah. huge rate in, in veganism. Um, so why over the next five years, you say this is going to increase? So, well, no, over the next five to 10 years, we're going to, the words that were used by one of our chief nutritionists the other day was that in the next five to 10 years, we're going to turn around and look at even in the, even that short term and look at this time in the past sort of however many years has been the time in history when we really were not in control of what we were eating so do you think there's mm. focus now around what we eat and mm. you know talk about the rise of veganism again yeah. and, and mm. in the future when we get more and more access to this information and studies we're going to look back at it and it's not just going to be a case of some people have that preference some don't you know, we're going to look back at it and we're going to be a lot more controlled and a lot more specific around what we eat. So it's it's just something that's yeah. coming, basically. You can kind of see it going that way. They're already It's, it's quite scientific, to be honest. It's around, um, one of the big ones is around gut health. Right. So um, the link between what's in your gut and sort of your, again, I think I'm not a scientist, so I can't talk about <laughs> but the link between how you feel in your mind, basically, and your happiness and how it's linked to what you've eaten, basically. And yeah. you've got yeah. quite strong studies coming out about the links between those two. So not qualified to talk about it in more detail, but it's it's going to increase. The, this what, is interesting, though, because yeah. you we say like we're probably not as qualified as a nutritionist or scientist to talk mm. about this, but as this information becomes more readily, readily available, mm-hmm. members of the British public, people that you'll be trying to target, they're going to fancy themselves experts, whether exactly. they are or not. Mm. So I guess you kind of have to be prepared on that front. That's, anyway. exa- that's exactly right. And as part of the same, as, you know, it's a really, really good point and a smart point to make on this conversation. The guy who gave that presentation said exactly that. He's like, yeah. you know, we can't, you know, brands that try and tell people what they should and shouldn't eat, um, you know, it's it's we're getting to a place now where um, you know people are becoming too savvy, they're becoming mm-hmm. too smart. What the subverse challenge to that is, though, um, and this is kind of the sit next step, I think, on top of the cynicism and, mm-hmm. and savviness. One of the reasons why big brands like Kellogg's started to use more and more influencer marketing techniques mm-hmm. is because this sentiment towards brands and cynicism and poking holes, as you say, Theo, and on branded advertising and content hasn't quite transpired over to the use uh, to influencers and the mm. content that they create. And yeah. that's why it's so important. We've run campaigns before where we've, been, we've had like 95% negative sentiment on our own content, pretty much the same message about the same food coming yeah. out from a micro-influencers post has got a complete flip. So yeah. that's depending on what messages we're trying to push, so much more effective to use influencer marketing for that reason. But the challenge that you then have is whilst we're very regulated around what we can and can't say around nutrition, you know, I won't mention any names, but there's some very, very high profile um, celebrities, if you like, macro influencers mm-hmm. who have started to now, because they're so engaged around food and to your point there around um, people becoming experts, yeah. thinking they're becoming experts, yeah. Yeah. they can yeah. say absolutely anything on their Instagram account about what's good to eat and what's not good to eat. And, you know, 15, 16-year-old girls I'll will be reading that, that. Going, in, going into their mums at night and saying, right, I'm never eating meat again or I'm yeah, never yeah, eating yeah. dairy yeah. again because X says it's not the right thing yeah. to do. And that's very dangerous mm. um, because they're not regulated. Um, and there's been some examples recently of where that's come out. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's like I said about the comments that will be on our post that are just sat at the top, complete nonsense around like mm. what's in our food and what's yeah. good for you and whatever. 
and it's sifting through that and again it's this fake news agenda it's sifting through and differentiating between what's right and wrong and it's difficult for consumers and social users to know Mm. what's Mm. right and wrong it's definitely backlashing on brands but it's interesting you bring up influencers so Mm. people are still trusting people yes yeah very much so I, I, i think this is we've spoken about many times before and i think with you joe as well it's almost there's definitely this culture that i've seen and i think a lot of people have seen that getting one over on the man isn't it and it's sort of that must be a wife fmcg brands it's always you've always had it lower against the corporations and all of this and now you've looked to people and influence the market and like you said Mm -hmm. it has been so Mm. effective in that sense hasn't it yeah it has um it's it comes down to the really sort of basic principles of influencer marketing in general it's just more authentic advocacy of food and product people Mm. are much more likely Mm. to relate to someone who is closer to them as actual human being first and foremost but then as you go down that funnel one of their friends their parents their family their colleagues you're a lot more likely to be influenced by someone who's in your very close circle Mm. um and that's because you spend all day with them. You can see what they look like, you know, how healthy they are, you know, yeah. how energetic and full their lifestyles are. You know, we've all been in that situation where you sat next to someone at work and it's like, so she gets up at half past five in the morning. You know, she goes to bed at nine o'clock at night. She looks great, does loads and loads, of <laughs> super, super on it at work, then goes to the gym afterwards and then has the energy at the weekend to go and climb Snowden on a Saturday, yeah. go yeah. for a run with exactly. the dog on Sunday. And it's like, I'm going to get up at half five and I'm going to go to bed at nine o'clock and I'm going to eat what she's eating. I'm going to drink how much water <laughs> yeah. she drinks in a day. That's the thing, you know, you can, because you're so close to him and you see them more on a personal level, you can mm. relate to it a lot more. Yeah. Then yeah. we're trying to tap into, there's an effective use of, of influences. There's bad use of influences, but there's an effective use. Um, the further you go down that funnel and not to give too much away about what our te- current techniques are, but the further you go down that funnel, the more you can really tap into that genuine, credible advocacy. Because everyone wants to work with Kellogg's. Every influencer wants to work with Kellogg's because they know that we'll pay for it. Um, But not everyone is a suitable influencer and a suitable advocate for that specific brand. So we're trying to reduce the gap um, between those two, the brand and the influencer, and have almost a face-to-face conversation with them to understand to that point what their lives are like, how it fits in. Mm whether they are a genuine, mm. credible mm. Um, consumer. Do you think that's the future of influencer marketing for a lot of brands becoming a lot closer in that sort of example? So yeah. that's that's the challenge that I am currently um, levying at the influencer marketing agencies that we use, quite mm. a few of them. Mm. The example that I used the other day is I, to that point that I've just said, we're working with not just um, micro-influencers and brand fans mm. maybe a little mm. sort of low down there but if we're going to pay a celebrity big money to endorse one of our campaigns not even a big celebrity we mm. worked with Rio Ferdinand recently I'm talking more like the layer below yeah. Yeah. Um, I want them to be coming to Manchester getting into a room with us and having a full day with us where they spend two hours with our nutritional team who talk mm. to them about the work that we're doing to reformulate our food and our recipes and then in the afternoon we sit with them and we almost quiz them on okay so have you ever eaten this product before yes i have which one's your favorite flavor um this one why don't you eat it anymore uh, because and all of a sudden mm. we ask these questions that we would ask to our consumers in focus groups you actually find out whether they're a consumer my challenge to influence the marketing agencies now is what are you doing to because we don't want to increase the workload we don't want to have to have a 15 email chain with every single yeah. influencer we want to work with. We just want to know whether they're a genuine, credible influencer yeah. um, and advocate. And, and so what is the future? Well, how can we, how can we um, sort of grow that practice 
without just making it into literally having three weeks of interviewing people, essentially. I think it is a really good way for brands to sort of build up their authenticity and, uh, as we've been saying, combat this um, cynical nature of of the consumer. I am interested, after we uh, spoke on the phone yesterday, we've talked maybe about how you've been combating or reacting to uh, cynicism uh, in regards to your content, but how has it changed how you approach creating content? I remember like you gave an example, um, something H&M uh, did. They had an unfortunate mishap, yeah. intentional or not. Um, but it sort of had to challenge brands with the way that like uh, you put it, putting a cynical hat on um, when yeah. you're actually creating content. I've got a very relevant um, live example that I'm working on at the moment, which I won't go into, but you're right. And it's it's strange, you know, you really feel like you're being the sort of miserable one at the party sat in the corner, but you do genuinely have to put that hat on. Mm, You know, mm. Heineken and H&M both had horrendous examples recently where they've released adverts or or product shots, which have immediately been picked up on, you know, ended up, I mean, the H&M example was horrendous. It went on for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, They, and they will be sat around a table with their heads in their hands saying, why did one person not flag this? You know, yeah. how many people have seen that picture before it's gone online? Mm. You know, just because you're a nice person who genuinely has quite a sort of well-rounded view on the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's really, really tough. And it's tough to educate people internally yeah. as well. Because, you know, you'll send these emails and say, we can't put that video up because yeah. the top comment, I always say, what's the top comment? The top mm. comment will be, why have you made an advert with this, this and this? Yeah. And brand managers going, do you really think that that's what people are saying? I was like, uh, yeah. And you yeah. know, because you've seen yeah. it. So you're almost envisaging it before it's happened, yeah. it that's seems. I mean. It's sad though, because it can be so hard to pin down. And and that's probably, I think, why a lot of it gets so missed, because it's mm. so based on opinion. Yeah. So you could have a room full of people thinking, well, I think that's fine. Yeah. But someone out there doesn't. And, and that's it. And, and the, the one person that doesn't will be the one that influences the conversation. Yeah. Mm. The, most, the most engaging comment on the post will be the one that, splits opinion so much mm. one of the things we look so on that point one of the things that we we do rely on quite a lot is um what we call the the what, what's the right phrase for it? we've got almost sort of like the community policing aspect of it as yeah. well so but at the same time we don't want we don't create an advert to start a full-on debate and argument <laughs> yeah. in our comment section nine times out of ten if someone says something a little bit out of place then there'll be a response. We got, so for example, don't mind talking about this. So one of the big ones we get is around halal certification on our food. Right. There is a great deal of people in the UK who are very, very um, skeptical and cynical around mm. why food companies use halal certification on the food. That will always kick off in our comments because our foods are certificated mm-hmm. and it will always be a two-way argument between the pro and the, and the against. Yeah. Um, mm. And we don't get involved in that at all. No. It's like, it kind of like, it doesn't sort itself out. But at the same time, it's like, what do we do with it? Do we just delete it all? No. Step in and say, look, you know, we're talking about how people <laughs> like to eat cornflakes <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> no, yeah, it, Everybody it. calm down. I say that, I say that a hundred times a day. We're talking about cereal, for yeah. goodness sake. Like, don't start a big argument about yeah. politics and race rows and whatever. But that's just what people engage around. Yeah. That's, people get something out of that. And having that out on social, um, that people genuinely get something from it. And the whole point around British people, I do think it is a British thing. Do you think that's ever going to change? You come to expect it now, don't you, as well? Yeah, do you think it's ever going to change? I think, do you know what? I think that we are getting to the point in life now where there's more important things. And hopefully we're starting to realise that, particularly around the environment, I think is a big one. So 
heaven forbid something big happens, but, you know, big things have happened in terms of, you know, obviously in Manchester and London mm. in the last 12 mm. months. When things like that happen, obviously they polarise to some extent, but they kind of do bring communities together more. When you look around you and look around at your table and you think, my kids and my spouse and my family is what matters. And everyone kind of felt like that. I think it had kind of reduced this tension that maybe happens in this, like I say, this cynicism, this natural cynicism. Yeah. Will it change? Um, I've even been seeing that myself and like, like on Twitter, you talk about like the whole like woke community and it feels like that's just been like left to run wild for so long that now the new being woke is being woke about being woke. Yeah. So people will call you out on like, okay, this is going too far. It's mm. being too extra. And I think as everything comes around in trends, I think you're right. That will probably be the next one yeah. where we start keeping ourselves in check. I listened to another um, rival podcast, which whose name I shan't mention. Um, <laughs> it's not Joe Rogan, is it? No, it's not. No. <laughs> if I hear uh, his name one more time yeah. today. It, it, it's, it's a good one, but it's no, it's not Joe Rogan. Um, and they were talking about loyalty um, and how brands, retailers specifically, are, are starting to try and promote loyalty in different ways. And mm. one thing that I think will happen that we've started to look at is building communities based on trust and rewarding mm. people um, not just for advocating your product, but rewarding people based on, do you know what, good behavior on social and doing yeah. the right thing and being yeah. nice mm-hmm. and friendly. You know, if someone comes on one of our posts and, and tells a really lovely story about, you know, not just our foods, but the community. Obviously, we have a lot of community initiatives. If we see people who are genuinely using social for all the right reasons, it's the responsibility of people like Kellogg's who've got the resource to do it to reward them for that. Yeah, so Try and pass it on. Yeah, pay it forward sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, and, that, yeah. and that naturally, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm right in thinking, Joe, that, that makes them sort of advocates as well if, if you're actively sort of going out there. It's about yeah. that other stage that we've talked about before, isn't it? The, rewarding your consumers mm. like you said people will remember you know. that positive cycle for yeah sure. it creates real impact doesn't it we, we just i remember when i joined kellogg's i had this idea that all the conversations on there would be really lovely conversations between like different mums and about mm. what their kids like to eat and then mm. you know we own pringles which is obviously one of our biggest brands and yeah. it's, it's very different but the conversation now is around like partying and like yeah. flavors and whatever and it is a different story on pringles generally that though that's not the case and those aren't the conversations that you're moderating so to speak every day so when you can encourage that nice behavior where brands do do that i think um i think you're sort of onto a winner but the, you, there was a real theme i think i kind of think it's dying out but there was a real behavior around um brands sort of getting into arguments with other brands on mm. social and yeah, stuff, yeah. starting a little yeah. bit of a twitter a war fast trend. food yeah. brands yeah. are doing that left right and center and i think that's sort of becoming um and we always generally try to steer clear it's not really our bag yeah. maybe might get involved with a couple of other crisp brands but always keep it quite light-hearted and, and fundamentally you know not not a sort of like slating match but a bit of fun yeah that's kind of changed now and i think the reason why you don't see brands doing that so much anymore is because it's not really cool or attractive mm. f- to see someone getting like slated or upset on social and, no. and it's, it doesn't create a great experience and again people can see brand. through it yeah exactly mm. so so will it change hopefully you have to think on the bright side there's me being a <laughs> nonsense <laughs> um yeah hopefully it will i think um you know we've been united haven't we in the last couple of weeks in this country yeah, the good weather and the football and whatever so um 
maybe it's given us a taste of what happens when we're all singing from the same hymn sheet and being happy and stuff. So yeah. perhaps that'll lead us into a better place. You're you know? totally right. That's nice. Let's let's leave this on a positive note then. That yeah. was fantastic. Thank you for coming in, Joe. Really, really much. enjoyed this. Enjoyed this episode? A like, a share, or a quick review will enable us to bring you hard-hitting truths and outrageous social secrets every week. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with Theo, Eve, and music by Pierre Flass.